Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the great philanthropist and founder of the Dr. Atlas Foundation, the legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? How are you doing? I know, you know, how you can tell when somebody lives for all the people out there that don't know yet, um, that Ken lives in basically a palace, is that just before we went on the air, he said, hold on one second, guys, I just have to shut this door. Uh, so, you know, my family doesn't just walk in later on. And it took him about 10 minutes to come back from closing the door. That's how large uh, and, and spacious a palace is. I mean, you know, we take it for granted. I got to shut a door. Boom, boom. You know, the door's right there. It's a couple of feet away. But when you're in a palace, <laughs> that, that could be a 10-minute walk. Um <laughs> the crazy thing is the people be, the people believe all this stuff when they see me in the street they're like where's all your ferraris i'm like yeah, you, well, you've been listening i can't to have the them all out your, your hands are gotta be what do you think i'm gonna bring them all out in one time i i'm one person what do you i mean come on uh you know they're they're in the where do you think they are they're in the garage next to the hangar <laughs> which uh, is housing oh, the, nice. the jet you're too kind. Hey, how was the bowling event? I know I heard you were like throwing strike after strike this weekend at the uh, Dr. Atlas Foundation uh, bowling event. Yeah, I was keeping score for people, so I was throwing strikes on the paper, but uh, not on the wood. Um, I I did not bowl. I just went and said hello to everybody, thanked everybody for being there. It was a great event. It was uh, sold out. Uh, sponsors, all the people uh, made it very successful so we can continue doing what we do, which is help people in need. Uh, it was, uh, everyone had fun. There were families there, kids there, you know, laughing, uh, enjoying it. Uh, there were a lot of gutter balls. <laughs> but that's, you know, I in my little speech before it started, uh, that's how I finished, actually, what I said. I said, uh, enjoy this magical day with your friends and your family because today you cannot throw a gutter ball. Because every every <laughs> ball counts. It helps us help other people and make their life a little better. So it was it was a good day. Thank you for asking. Oh, good for you. I, I participated in a, um in a in a running event yesterday in Rome, Georgia at my friend Jesse Itzler's house and he's a very um charitable guy. They actually made a donation um to the Doctor Atlas Foundation last year at the race they do in the summer called Hell on the Hill. So I did a race at his house in Rome, Georgia called Highway to Hell. It was um fourteen mile race up and down his driveway thirteen times in a super steep three thousand feet of elevation gain and it was just a, a bunch of good people there and um a big portion of the proceeds went to um different charities that him and his wife Sarah Blakely who who created the brand Spanx and just sold it for one point two billion dollars to Blackstone. They donate a huge portion to um different charities. So I I imagine there'll be another check coming to the Doctor well, Atlas Foundation you. from them as well. Thank you. That's great. That's great seeing people help other people and use their good position in life to uh, help other people that don't have as good a position. That's beautiful. And uh, yeah. I guess if you sell a company for one point something billion, you do have a driveway that's 3,000 feet uh, tall. <laughs> 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 and altitude well, or well, whatever. Well, 
thir- it was it was 200 and change from the bottom to the top but you had to run up and down it 13 times but that's what's the most impressive thing about these people i, I was telling here i was telling jesse if i had a billion dollars you'd have uh, there'd be a barbed wire fence around my house and i'd never leave <laughs> but he invites 285 people to his house to camp out and race up and down his driveway he's just a good person oh, and uh excellent event by the for way a good people cause. ken they're, they're, ken has half a billion and he has barbed wire fence around his uh his house <laughs> you know and hey, speaking of speaking of the um the response we got i i mentioned that you know someone was being a jerk in the comments the amount of supportive and kind messages i got this week in the dms and on twitter was just overwhelming man thank you to all the fans love all you guys i responded to everything um Love engaging with all the fans. The other reason we do this, you know, I think people sometimes are like, oh, I'm surprised you responded. I'm like, why wouldn't I respond to people that are nice to me and and support what I'm trying to do? Of course we would. Um, Really appreciate everyone, all the kind words. Teddy, let's get into it. We got a bunch of good action to talk about this weekend. Uh, I feel like we're at like, we're, we're in the prime, uh, almost like we're in the playoffs of uh, fight season. Every weekend seems to be delivering big action and another a great boxing match this weekend in the main event. But before we get into the Charlo um, unifying the 154 division, let's talk about the um, on the undercard, hot young prospect Boots Ennis gets the second round knockout over Custio Clayton. Man, Boots Ennis, this looks like the real deal to me, but let's hear what the expert has to say. How'd you like him? Well, first of all, just to piggyback off a little something you mentioned about hot action and everything else, it's been hot action, uh, you're right, and it's been hot action for this podcast. 400,000 views last week um, with the stuff that we put out there. We're over 200, we just hit 252,000 subscribers. I just want to say thank you. We don't take it for granted. Um, thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your belief, your trust in us uh, to tell you the things that you want to hear or you need to hear or you don't hear somewhere else. Um, thank you. Uh, it's, it's, it makes all this work. You know, it's not work when you're doing something you love. I get it. I understand. But it makes what we're doing worthwhile. Uh, I know Ken feels the same way. So thank you. Yes, and if you're watching on YouTube in particular, just do us a favor, hit the subscribe button. We don't send spam. We're not going to hit you with nonsense. You'll just get a notification when there's a new show out every day on typically on Tuesday. So if you're watching and you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. It helps us a great deal. So as far as the Ennis fight, here's my feeling on this. First of all, what's striking besides his talent, because his talent is striking. When you see it, it's like... Matter of fact, I'd stay on the town for a second because it's so striking that I don't feel that we've seen the most of it or the best of it because I don't think that he's been close to being tested yet. So that's really striking that he's got so much talent that we don't see. It's kind of like I talk about the car, you know, you want to see what's under the hood. You want to see what's under the hood in a fighter, what's inside. Outside, tremendous. What's inside? We don't get close to really seeing that. I think what's outside is also inside with Ennis, um, if I had to guess. But you don't know till you know. And, you know, it's just his talent is at such a different level than everybody else that the guys they're fighting, uh, they can't find anybody so far. And listen, they're picked guys. I get it. It's part of, you know, when you have a star, you 
and you have a promoter who's a big promoter, you take care of him. Uh, where other guys don't get taken care of quite to that point. But no matter who they bring in, <laughs> it doesn't get a hot rate up with Ennis. And the other thing that struck me is his size, Ken. Not since Tommy Hearns hit the scene at 147 have I seen a welterweight that looks so much bigger than everyone else. I wonder if some of it, people are going to laugh when I say this, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying it for a reason. Some of it's physical, but I think some of it is psychological because he's so damn good, he looks bigger. So he, he, yeah. he's big, but when you know you have a monster in front of you, the monster looks even bigger. You know, I remember mm-hmm. Custom Model, my mentor used to tell me when Floyd Patterson was coming up and he was just a middleweight, he won the heavyweight championship of the world. And look, the fighters were smaller back then. He, he won the heavyweight championship at about 184 pounds, for Floyd Patterson. And they were all smaller. Marciano was smaller. You know, everybody was, uh, Joe Frazier was smaller compared, you know, to what's around today and uh, on and on and on. But... When Floyd was coming, there's a lot of things that happen when you're developing. You're gaining confidence. You're finding out about yourself. You're answering questions about yourself. You're filling in, you're filling in spots about yourself. Uh, it's kind of like you've been sketched out. The way I look at a fighter developing a fighter from my perspective, I got to sketch it out, and then I got to help him color it in. And that's when that starts happening, when that process starts taking place, and you start coloring it in with the development of fighters, confidences, belief, everything to go with his skill levels and his technique development. Floyd Patterson used to tell Cuss when he got in the ring, these guys look so big. And they were big. I mean, he was a small heavyweight. And then Cuss told me, he said, Teddy, there came a day when I knew we were ready to fight for the world title. And I said, what was that day? What told you you were ready? And he said, we got in the ring and he turned to me with, you know, with another opponent that was, you know, pretty comparable to the other guys that we've been fighting as far as size and everything. And he turned to me and said, this guy looks so small. And once the guy started looking smaller to Floyd instead of bigger, because knew he was ready. And I kind of, Felt the same thing when I watched the fight the other night with Ennis. Like, he must look at these guys like uh, midgets. Like, like they, they, they're all so small because he's physically big and he's big in every other area as far as confidence, belief, accomplishment, and um, obviously talent. So that's the first thing, how big he is. How, uh, wow. And the other thing... It's funny, I touched on it in the opening here, <laughs> and I'll go a little further. When these guys have, you know, the, the super promoters, the, the powers in the business, there's certain kings in this business, you know, it's, whether it's Aram Hearn, you know, uh, you know, Heyman, a little bit of uh, Warren, you know, Oscar, he's hanging on, you know, he's hanging on by a thread. But um, You're too <laughs> kind, yeah, barely hanging on. So uh, we won't revisit the uh, the movie scene from Jerry Maguire. You know, hey, I love it. You're <laughs> hanging on there. You're hanging on, the Jerry. You're hanging on. So um, these guys have the 
benefit, the privilege, quite frankly, of being with top guys where while they're coming up and they're fishing for their opponent, they're doing fishing. That's the analogy I'm going to use. They're fishing, uh, Ken. They're fishing in their own private ponds. <laughs> they, they, own, they own their own private ponds, and they stock those ponds with fish, and they go fishing. And, you know, I mean, that's, you're going you're gonna to get a certain size of a fish because you're the one, it's a pond, you're the one who's stocking it, and you're only going to get a certain size most of the time, most of the time. And then I go back to the 80s. To me, that was the last real heyday uh, of boxing, one of the last, really. And you had these special fighters that come along once in a lifetime sometimes, and you have these special fighters, you know, whether it's Duran and Whitaker and Benitez and Hearns and Leonard and Hagler. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And you have all these, and they're all fighting each other. They were fishing in the ocean. See, that was the difference. Back in those days, they, those guys, they all fished in the ocean. Nowadays, if you're with the guy, you know, one of the power guys, you fish in a pond. Every once in a while... Kind of like Constanza, we'll get to that. One of the fish in the pond eats a lot and gets big. <laughs> Every once in a while, you get that really big catfish, that really big carp, whatever it is in your pond. Maybe they were eating turtles. I don't know. They were eating the frogs up. I don't know. But you get a really, you get a bigger one. But on the most part, you could go fishing in your pond with a bab with a bamboo pole. You remember those bamboo poles, you know. They, yeah, they, all they had was a line and a, a little thing, and you put a worm on it, and you dropped it. It was made out of bamboos for the kids. That's how you started out. But then when you go in the ocean, you need a real rod. And you go in the ocean, you go marlin fishing, baby. And, and, and you want, that's what I want to see in boxing. I want to see marlin fishing. I want to go back to marlin fishing. Where, where you remember on, a, on, a, on those shows where the outdoor shows, what they would show, you know, on, on the weekends, on ABC Sports, whatever, uh, they would have those. Uh, I forget the name of them, but, you know, sportsman shows where you'd have a guy out in a deep blue sea. Like Jimmy Houston? Yeah. You'd be, be Jimmy out. Houston, like the different fishing shows. Yeah, be out. Yeah, but this one was even, it was a bigger show. It was like on network TV, and it was like once a week uh, during a certain season, and you'd have the guy out there fishing for the mall. They'd strap him in. They'd give him some water. They, <laughs> you know what I mean? They'd give him some water. They, they would pat him down. They'd strap him, and you'd see the pole bend. I mean, bend. And every once in a while, they lose one. <laughs> they lose one. Or they may break the pole. Yeah. You don't get that in the ponds, really. We got a little bit of that the other night, though. And the bamboo pole broke back. But, you know, but Charlo, to his credit, he had a backup pole. He had a backup because he had heard there was some big fish in that pond. He had heard somebody saw them, kind of like the Loch Ness Monster, you know? Somebody had seen a big one. They couldn't get it, but they seen it. He, he'd been warned because it was, well, 
He saw Constanza the fight before, so he was warned. He knew it was a big fish in that pond. But usually you don't get that, Ken. You don't get to see, you know, American sportsmen, whatever the show was, where they're, they're fighting that Marlin. I want to see more of that. I want to see, I want to see more of that. And um, I, I, I tell you, Ennis is time to go in the ocean now. It's. I don't want to see him in the ponds no more. I know the guy had a good rag. He was an Olympic. I get it. And and it, it wasn't even a, he didn't even take a breath. I don't want to see him in the ponds no more, Ken. I want to see him in the ocean. I want to see him with the marlin. You know, I don't know if anyone can, can make him uh, fight the fight those guys had to fight when they were strapped in the seats and the pole was bending over, you know, almost breaking. I don't know if anyone, but I want to find out. I want to find out. I don't want no more of these guys anymore. You know, I all I want to see them with now at this point is uh, Crawford, Spence, or let them move up and fight Munguia at middleweight. Munguia was a junior middleweight, so he moved up, let him, because Ennis is going to have to move up eventually anyway. Uh, I know he didn't get his title, give him his chance, but I don't want to see him in the ponds no more. So as far as the analysis, that's about it of the fight. Uh he, that is, he, you know, he knows how, he knows his identity. He knows he's big, he's long. So he tries to keep the guys at the end of his punches, which he did. He landed a right hand uh, behind the guy's ear. You know, it was funny. The, uh, the commentators kept saying, oh, you know, it wasn't even his best punch and, you know, all that stuff. And I get it because it didn't splash off his chin. But when you get hit behind the ear, your equilibrium gets screwed up. That's it. I mean, you're, you're, you're drunk. You're drunk. So nobody had mentioned that. He, he caught him in the right spot or uh, in the wrong spot if you're the guy on the receiving end of it. Um, but he, I, I like him. I, I like him. I want to see him in the ocean. And like I said, and I like his personality, Ken. He's a good kid. He, you know, he's confident. So he boosted a little. He's got that's fine. He's confident. He worked to get that, but but he's not. He's not obnoxious. He's not obnoxious. Some of these guys we'll talk about it later. I know you have a little <laughs> bit of a pet peeve with this, and I I'm with you. But some of these guys get a little obnoxious. But he's not. With all his talent, I know. Like I said, he hasn't been fully tested yet, but. This kid, I like him. I just like listening to him. He's a kid that you could easily say, "Yeah, I'm going to support this kid. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be in his camp. Yeah, I'm I'm behind this kid with everything. Yeah, I I I just enjoy the kid, and um, like I said, I enjoy the way he presents himself too. You know, it, it he doesn't shove it down your throat. You know, he 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 lets you like him. Does that make sense, Ken? Do you? Uh, yeah, that's exact. That's exactly right. And I give you some examples of guys who are, or I can give you one example right now of a guy who's incredibly talented and supremely confident, but just doesn't come off like a complete jerk and like a loudmouth. Is um, Errol Spence? Yeah, one of the guys from Texas, I love and, and there's a group of them down there, and we'll get into it with, with the Charlos, and I've said it before, I don't understand why they have to be so like abrasive and thuggish in their behavior. They're, 
I mean, Jermel is now the unified champ at 154. You're tough. We all know it. You don't have to talk like a like a like a gangster every time you get on the microphone. He was humble after the fight, but we'll get into it. Um, yeah. Anyway, Boots Ennis, tons of potential, and uh, I'm looking forward to, like you said, enough. Like you, we don't. When you do destroy a guy in the second round like that, that guy. Let's be honestly, Teddy. You know it. That guy's not even qualified to be a sparring partner. I mean, he. It was just. It's not going to help him get better. And I think if most of these fighters, I think if they had their druthers, they would move right up and start taking bigger, more dangerous fights. And we'll get into this later in the show too, but like Oscar says of Canelo after he loses to Bevel, you're ready to come back to a real promoter. And then he made some comment like, I never would have let him get in with a Bevel. Like Oscar, your job is to facilitate hard fights. Credit to Canelo for wanting to get up there. He cleaned out the whole damn division. Who do you want to have him fight at? tomato can canelo is as good as it gets he should be fighting the other guys that challenge him which is exactly what bivol did he came up short i don't think it's a knock on canelo but the fact that the promoter is highlighting for you how crazy they are and saying that he would never let that fight happen so you would never let your your good fighters have a fight that you think could be 50 50 or even slightly favored in the other guys in the in the challenger or in the opposition the opposing fighters favor like what the hell are you talking about if the four kings had that attitude we'd never have some of the best fights in the history of boxing this is why oscar's losing fighters hand over fist he's got to get himself together and stop with this attitude of like protect the fighter at all canelo makes 30 to 50 million dollars a fight he doesn't need to be protected anymore he could get in there and fight a friggin' lion if that's what he wants to do not nothing's going to change his legacy or his earning potential he's beloved nothing he can do will change it okay if he goes up and fights Usyk at heavyweight and gets knocked out so what if that's what he thinks he can do personally i think Usyk, after seeing the b-roll fight it would be crazy to make that fight but i love the fact that canelo wants it but imagine if he's still with oscar and oscar's telling him don't take these dangerous fights fight someone who's barely got a pulse like dude come on oscar this is anyway we'll talk no, about the only later. thing that Let's... i would respond to that real quick and we're getting to Oscar a little bit more later first of all he needs a i said this a year ago i think but someone that if they care about him they need to get him a puppy um and i said that uh, i i said that a while ago ken um, get him a puppy dog, you know. Really, he needs he needs something to to love and something to uh, make him feel better. And puppies can do magic. They 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 truly do. You like puppies, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> no, seriously, Ken. And uh, that's that would be helpful. And listen, uh, to be serious here, you the only place you're going not wrong. Everything you pointed out is on a, on the money, but. Who says that we believe Oscar what he's saying? You know. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> he he would put these guys in with with, with forget about it, with King Kong if if if, if the money was right. I mean, as long as he's the promoter and he's getting his, he let the, he let the other he's guy put his piece. But but if he let but, the other guy put a horseshoe <laughs> in his glove. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> he'd put him in with whatever monster might be out there if if the money was coming on his side. But it's going on someone else's side, like in this case. 
you know, it's going over to Hearn instead of Golden Boy. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna talk that <laughs> way. Sure, sure, sure. Please, come on. You gotta, you gotta bridge to sell me. You know, uh, uh, you got a better shot with that uh, than tell me that you're worried about his welfare. Uh, when, <laughs> please stop, okay? Uh, but he, <laughs> you know, he's almost, and we'll get more to it later, but. To me, he was implying, <laughs> he was implying when he said, it was embarrassing, it was, that he, it's, he's begging. And it's sad. That's why I said we got to get him a puppy dog. But he was implying, like, if you were with me, we would have pulled off the caper and and <laughs> we would have went the extra mile and we would have pulled off the robbery that those that those guys tried to pull off. They didn't get it done. They fell short. We would have pulled it off. We would have robbed. Yep. We would have robbed freaking people's backside. So, As you can tell by the way I conduct my business, Canelo, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's uh let's move forward for now all right guys want to take a quick pause to give a shout out to another of today's sponsors feel free the plant-based botanic tonic based on the uh on the plant kava kava root they put some botanical blend into this tonic and i wish i was a scientist to give you all the exact uh reasoning and rationale as to why this stuff gives me a boost of energy but I will just leave you with the fact that I love this stuff. I take it before races. I take it before key workouts. I actually take it before we record the show. I feel like it just gives me a, a, a little boost of energy and a euphoric feeling that is hard to explain unless you've experienced it. Give them a try. Feel free. Use the promo code ATLAS and they'll give you 40% off your first purchase. That's an incredible deal. 40% off using the promo code ATLAS. And you help the show by letting them know that our listeners are actually paying attention to what we're talking about and trying the products that we get behind. I've been using this stuff long before they decided to sponsor the show. I actually reach out to them. My friend Trey Hardy, the great two-time decathlon world champion, put me onto this product and he swears by it. And if it's good enough for the best athlete in the world, it's good enough for me and it might be good enough for you. Give them a try at Feel Free Botanical Tonics. Also want to shout out the one of my favorite running brands in the world, Wallaco. Wallaco, Way of Life Athletic Clothing. To me, they make the best running shorts in the world. They've got built-in waterproof pockets, which protects your phone from sweat and the elements so you can carry your phone while you're running. It's compact and stays tight to your hip. Check out their compression shorts. They're unbelievable. Can't say enough good things about Wallaco and their founder, Terry White. Harvard lacrosse standout and world-class human being. Check out Wallaco and use the promo code ATLAS at checkout for 20% off your purchase. All right, let's get into, let's get into the uh, Castaño-Charlo fight. Man, oh man, did this fight deliver. Jeez, what a battle. Through like six rounds, I think it was, I said, this, I, I said on Twitter, and you know, I know you were tweeting up a storm. You always have the best, cut, the best takes on these things. But I, and I very rarely tweet during fights, but I said, wow, this might be one of the best fights I've seen in a long time. Just constant action. 
the pressure of Castaño and the counterpunching of uh, Charlo, the chin on Castaño, my God, he ate some shots and just walked right through them until it wasn't, I never even felt like Castaño was rattled until he was knocked out. And when he was knocked out, it was that really short left hook and he was on Queer Street. I mean, his legs were completely gone, but he looked, mentally he looked there, but his body wasn't cooperating with him. And all credit to both guys, man, these guys brought the friggin' heat. They were throwing punches. Like I said, the relentless pressure of Castaño and the just relentless counterpunching of Charlo. I was dying to see, like, who's going to break first? Is who's going to run out of gas first? Or is Castaño going to get caught coming forward and that's going to slow him down? Or is Charlo's, like, the constant pressure from Castaño going to wear Charlo down? I just loved every minute of it. And then, like I said, Charlo clips him with that left hook and just knocks his le- knock, uh, disconnects his body from his brain, essentially, and... Castaño, to his credit, he tried to get up and he was just like, it wasn't happening. But I loved every minute of this fight. And uh, credit to Charlo, unifies all the belts at 154. He's got all the four of the belts that matter. Um, how'd you like the fight? All right, let me start with the end. Uh, and I think sometimes that works. For me, it works. Uh, start at the end instead of the beginning. The last punch. He took some really great shots and he handled them. And you touched on that. And he handled them. He showed a really good chin. Um, and then he gets knocked out by this one. Two reasons. And the commentator didn't mention I was surprised because they said, oh, right on, left hook right on the chin. Two things to correct. Number one, not on the chin, on the temple. Reminiscent yep. of Tyson when he knocked out Burbick to consolidate all the belts as a young heavyweight champ of the world, as the sensation that he was, the monster that he was on the scene. And listen, you know, I was calling right now, right now, you look at Ennis and you could start to believe in monster stories. You could. He'll make you believe. There's monsters out there. He's a monster. But time always tells us there are no monsters. Tyson, we thought he was a monster. Time told us that they all there are no supermen. There's a kryptonite for everybody. Uh, and and sooner or later they'll be showing out their fairness. I just want to see him get in there and show us how great he is, and and have a chance to show how great he is. And he wants that too. You can tell uh, because all the great ones do. But he'll get tested somewhere. He might he'll pass it maybe. Regarding Ennis, I didn't realize this, but ESPN has him ranked number three. He's only behind Crawford and Spence. Yeah. Uh, he's ahead of everyone else. I mean, I didn't realize he was that high up in the rankings. Good to I see him see again. It. But he's also like you said, he's twenty. 29 and 0 like we don't need to see him no one needs to see him fight anyone that isn't a serious title holder 100 percent. so getting back to you know to the castano fight where castano you keep calling him george george costanza's cousin no, no i didn't say Con- from constanza Con- Constano. Constano. castano yeah i didn't go to the fancy uh finishing <laughs> schools that you went to you know but but it's okay I, i'm gonna try i'm gonna try thank you thank you I uh, appreciate you looking finishing out. School. I, I, I was at I the finishing school with. I, I appreciate with you looking me out. Me and Mickey Ward. Me and Mickey oh, Ward at was, the Bill that, House. Job. At the Bill Rick House job. of Correction. That's called a job. <laughs> that was a my finishing J- school. J O B job, not school. <laughs> You want you want the other side of the the bars. You want you oh, want no. don't forget that uh, you want behind them. A big difference. Everyone there was one uh, lucky break away from being on the other side of the bars. There, the guards were worse than the inmates. But uh, 
Well, don't say that about Mickey, please. I mean, if, <laughs> I mean, if you want to say that about yourself, but come on, Mickey, <laughs> Mickey is a salt of the earth uh, person. Come on, and so are you, uh, so is everything I thought of you. Don't change my opinion on that, please. Well, both, please, both Mickey I won't and do I, this both no of more. Our- both of our brothers were inmates there, so we always joked, they, oh, yeah, the guards were just the ones that never got caught. <laughs> yeah, Mickey Mickey is such an honest kid. You know, I remember uh, I remember when the movie was made on him, you know, The Fighter, and, uh, and he got all the notoriety he deserved from all those wars that he fought. On my air, on ESPN, I caught yeah. a lot of his fights. And uh, while well, he was getting to where he was getting to, and he... Uh, He's so honest, he can't help himself. And those are the kind of people I love where somebody asked him after the movie premiere came out, they said, Mickey, is that all true, everything there with, with Dickie Eklund, you know, with, with all that, everything, and the craziness? And Mickey says, <laughs> he says, well, I, I don't remember him jumping through that many windows. <laughs> I, I, he might have jumped out of a few less windows, but other than that, yeah, they had it. They had it pretty good. That's Mickey Ward. Uh, but you know they're making a. Uh, you know they're making a number two. And I was texting him with the other day. Texting it has to have with Gaddy in it because how can you yeah, have a Mickey yeah, Ward yeah, that's movie? It. You know, without Gaddy, they're gonna make number two about the about the trilogy with the Atorogadi. And I told him, I said, listen, make this thing authentic. If you need some extras, first of all, Teddy should be calling the fights in the movie, and I can be one of your sparring partners. And he was like, all right, I'm going to talk to the producers and get that done. Okay, let's move on. So um, (laughs) that's beautiful. So we, listen, Costano, Costano, um, and he gets caught, like I said, not like the commentator said on the chin of punches that he took all night. He got caught on the temple. It, it, it almost, in, in many ways, it does what getting hit behind the ear does. It's, it really screws you up, your equilibrium. And um, just look at the Burbick fight when Tyson hit him. And Burbick was a real fighter. Uh, he hit him on the temple. Look at what happened. And now, you know, it went even further. He fell forward. He fell backwards. He fell sideways. But the, the same the same effect that that it messes you up and the other reason why that punch was so damn efficient and damaging was he never saw it you know those little punches in there your your eyesight is blinded you're in close your gloves up and your eyesight is blinded that punch streaks across and hits you on the forehead the temple and you, you, you don't see it you don't pick it up you know, you don't have a chance to pick it up on radar and say, oh, there it is. Let's prepare. Get get ready. There's, there's no getting ready. You, it's, you're gone. It's done. Uh, you don't have time to register and button down the, that, you know, the hatchets, uh, you know, and, and get into the bomb shelter. You don't have a chance. So that's the end of the fight, and that's how that happened. What I really liked about, and it's the best it's the best Charlo I've seen. And what I liked about it really the most was he showed improvement from the first fight and from from many fights, but from the first one when he fought Constano and it was a draw and a lot of people thought that Constano uh, had won. And I, I, I like the... Imp- 
Uh, is that one of your rap groups there, Ken? Uh, <laughs> I uh, because I know you. I know you're doing some stuff on the side. I thought I had. The, I thought I had the ringer off. I <laughs> know uh, it's no problem. I, because I figure it was one of the groups that you're that you're backing. Um, you, you know that you're financing. So anyway, we we um. So we. We have fun here. We have fun. If you don't like fun, don't come to our show because we, we, we enjoy each other. We, we enjoy talking to you guys. We bring you facts. We bring you things that other people don't bring you, but we also have fun doing it. So That was a group I discovered on Staten Island back in the, my younger years uh, called Wu-Tang Clan. I don't know if you ever heard yeah, of them. I, I, I yeah, I mean, they're, they're legendary. <laughs> they're legendary there, kid. Um, so, and... and I remember Method Man, all those guys. So during the fight, what I enjoyed the most, the intensity of the fight, the back and forth of the fight, it was a great fight. But the thing that really got my attention was how much improvement uh, and adjustments he had made, he being Charlo, had made from the previous fight. He, he didn't just come forward with aggression and power. He boxed, he inspires, used a jab to control range, used his legs to control range, uh, created pockets where he could counterpunch, uh, you know, also pockets where he could just get off first, moving on his legs, pot shotting a little bit, and then a little bit of fighting in, in close too. He showed a multitude of ideas, of dimensions. I like ideas. When you have ideas, something's good's going to happen. This whole world's about being successful ideas. People that have the best ideas are the most successful. Remember that, young people out there. I, in the boxing, whatever you're in, ideas. Have good ideas. And he showed good ideas, uh, Charlo. And I just, like I said, I loved the dimensions that he brought. And... Constano, as much as I love him, he was one-dimensional, good dimension. He brought aggression, you know, relentlessness, steadiness, steady, steady, not reckless, just steady, steady, steady all the time. But it was a one-dimension. But the thing that he didn't get enough credit for, that I'm going to make sure he gets credit for, and that made the fight so great, wasn't just that he was aggressive, and then he had a great chin, and that he threw a lot of punches, and he kept throwing. That wasn't it. He was timing the punches of Charlo. He got to a place where he got in the pocket, and he knew that Charlo was faster. Timing negates speed in my business, if you understand that, and you know how to do it. He got in, and you gotta have the nerve, the nerve to stand in the pocket, take that risk, and be able to place your shot at the right exact time in between the other guy's shot. In between that millisecond of the other guy throwing, bang, bang, you place the shot. That's what he was doing. That's what kept him in the fight. <laughs> That's what even put him ahead maybe in spots in the fight. Who knows? Uh, because Charlo took control later. But that's what made it a competitive fight. That's what made it a great fight. Not just that he was relentless. We got a lot of guys relentless throwing punches, and they wind up getting you know caught, and they get uh, they're losing rounds. They're 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 fighting like hell, and you appreciate it, but they're losing rounds. He was winning rounds because in the ones that he was because he was timing 
the punches, the combinations of Charlo. He was negating the speed advantage of Charlo. That's great. That's cerebral. That's putting a package together where where you're not just tough, you're smart. He was being smart. And I appreciated the hell out of it. I tweeted about it because I didn't hear nobody giving him credit for it. And again, that's what made it a fight. And finally, you know, the end came in the way that we described it, that he got caught that punch on the inside. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> that was that. But the other thing that both guys were battling all night that I loved, they were battling the war of geography. You know, who's going to get the geography that they need? You know, Charlo battled it to keep separation. That was his geography for the most part, even though he did win on the inside at the end with that punch, that that perfect punch that he never saw, that uh, Consano never saw. But the fight for turf was, was really nice to watch, uh, where... Charlo's looking for the turf outside, Constano the turf on the inside. Uh, it, it was it was really a, a well fought fight. It was it was really appreciated because a lot of times these guys, like I said before, that are with the big promoters like Haven, whoever you know, Aram, her, you know, whatever, they're fishing from their own pond, and you never see really a struggle. You never see the pole get bent back. You never see them get strapped in their seat and have to, you know, really fight to get that to get that that fish on the boat. You know, you never see what you what you saw in Jaws, where the captain turns around and says, "We're gonna need a bigger boat." <laughs> you know, that's what I want to see. I want to see in a fight where when somebody turns around and says, or oh, if they don't say, it, you know, they're thinking, "We're gonna need a bigger boat." And oh, you, and you see the size of that fish come by, and and you know you said that's I'm getting I'm that's what I'm going after, and that's what you had. It was terrific. I want to see more of it. What am I wrong? Am I wrong, Ken? Am I greedy? Am I am I selfish? Maybe a little bit, but I want to see more of that. When you got these guys with the top with the kingmakers in this business, the top promoters. Yeah, I know they're going to get taken care of. I get it. I know they're going to get, you know, curbside, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, treatment. They're going to, you know, you're going to have everybody in the hotel running down and they're grabbing their bags, pulling them in. Uh, you know, you're going to, as I said, you're going to get curbside check-in. Uh, <laughs> right? You're going to get, you're going to get all that. I get it. But I want to see once in a while, I want to see them fish in the ocean. I, I, I want to yep. see the Charlos fish in the ocean. I want to, and I'm not picking on them. I, I, all of them, whoever they are, all these guys, that we're describing, and the fans are with me. I know they are. I we because we speak for the fans. We speak for the fans. Where uh, I I hear them. I hear them loud and clear, because because they they're us. They're us. They it's no different what they want. They don't want to see a movie that they've seen twenty times. They don't want to see that. They know the ending. They know the middle. They know the beginning. They know all of it. They want to see a movie where they don't know the ending. And but to your point, to your point, the older, the uh, sorry, the heavier Charlo at 160, Jamal, he's fighting 
Selecki on June 18th. Yeah. Well, we know who's going to uh, win that. Yeah, uh, newsflash. The guy's not even ranked in the top 10. No one no one is looking for that. Put him in with one of the other belt holders. You got Triple Selecki G Selecki is already, like, listen, Selecki, I like him. I like his style. He He's already lost at the next level. So likely he's not going to get to a place where now all of a sudden he can win at this level. But... He's an exciting and guy. And the fight's in Houston, in Charlo's backyard. He's going to get destroyed. He's an exciting guy. He's a style that he's going to come forward, but that's going to be, you know, that's going to be part of his uh, to his detriment too. You know, that's I was going to say by exciting, you mean he's going to walk right forward and take the exact exactly what they have planned for him—a vicious knockout. He's going to be a co-conspirator to his own demise, but he can't help that <laughs> because you yep. know that's the style. Oh, I don't blame Selecki. And, and then it'll be Payday fun to watch for a minute, you know. And, and whatever but at the end of the day again 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 to my point you're you're back fishing in the ponds again i want the ocean i want the ocean i want the 80s i want the 80s where they where they went out there and they were in the atlantic and in the pacific and all these great bodies of water where you never knew what was in there until that night you watched, and then all of a sudden you said, whoa, oh, I didn't know there was a whale in there. I didn't know there was a, that's where the Lux Ness monster existed. I had no <laughs> idea, and he suddenly appeared because you. All of a sudden they got an orca on the line. Because you're in the ocean. You can get orcas in the ocean. You can't get them in the ponds. You can't get them in the ponds unless you're doing some, you know, some freaky uh, experimental stuff and you're feeding them some stuff that, you know, is uh, glows in the dark a little bit. And then all of a sudden one day you've, somebody says, I was walking by the pond the other day and um, I saw something. I only saw a glimpse of it, but it had, oh my goodness, it had a fin and a tail and then boom it jumped underneath the water before i could really get my flashlight out before i could get a good look at it but just after it started breathing fire but there's something in there there's something in there and then every once in a while his name is jaime munguia and his name is constato you know <laughs> you know for that night for that night um but it was it was what boxing needs they they need an underdog uh, to fight a great fight. They need uh, you know one of the one of the privileged guys, one of the protected guys, one of the talented guys. I think that's all fair to say about Charlo. I'm not uh, one of the guys that's you know with the kingmakers. Uh, one of the guys who got the great deal where he is on uh, on network, where he is on you know. A big cable network uh, fighting where you could have that visibility. You want to see those guys in those kind of fights. You want to see that. You want to have hope. You want to ho have hope. Really, as a fan, you want to have hope that this will be the night something special will happen. That I'll be surprised. That that I will get taught. What do you mean, Teddy? What do you mean, gonna get taught? I will get taught. Boxing teaches me every once in a while that. No matter where you've been, no matter what you come from, no matter what you didn't get credit for in your life, whatever went bad for you, on one given night, if you're determined enough, if you're prepared enough, if you want it enough, you could be champion of the world. 
You could get your hand raised. You could do something that nobody thought you could do. You could do something very special. That you could show people, you could give, you could teach them that you there's something inside of all of us. And on one given night it comes out. And you surprise everybody. Everyone who thought you could never be that one. You could never be that guy. And you become that guy. It teaches people. It teaches them to have that hope, to have that faith, to have that drive, to have that belief. They can be that guy. Perfectly said. And if uh, for the fans out there listening, if you like that, if you like the description Teddy just gave, I can't recommend his audio book enough. Please check it out. Here it is. Atlas from the streets to the ring. A son struggled to become a man. There it is available on on Amazon. Also an audio version on audible.com. And Teddy, when you were talking about Ennis looking so big, all I could think was, there's no doubt that uh, Boots Ennis takes all his supplements and eats a healthy, balanced diet. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's a power user of athletic greens like you and I are. Again, I wouldn't be either. Again, I did another race yesterday. Was lucky enough to come up with the victory. Oh, beautiful! What, what race greens. was it? What race was it? I that was the that was You're the winning highway, so many. I the lose driveway track. to help. <laughs> that was the driveway to hell. How many? How at, many races did uh, a race like that? How many? Competitive. There were there were this one was small, two hundred people. That's a lot. That's all right. I mean, usually yeah. you're in the thousands, but uh, two hundred. Yeah. And was it? I mean, what kind of competition from all it was, over? Top? It was. Um, yeah, all over the people all over the world came in. It was. Um, you know, 13, just over a half marathon, 3,000 feet of elevation gain, uh, up and down, up and down. The downhills are actually, I think, harder than the uphills because it beats the crap out of your legs by the end of the race. I mean, I was as sore as I could possibly be, sorer than a marathon. But you can bet your uh, behind that before that race, I took my athletic greens. I never skip a day of athletic greens made with 75 whole food sourced ingredients. Athletic greens has everything you need from vitamins, minerals. I try to eat a balanced diet, but when I'm on the road in particular, I always make sure I take this because if nothing else, it's an insurance policy to make sure I'm getting the essentials that I need. If you go to athleticgreens.com and use the promo code ATLAS, Teddy and I have asked them to give you a special deal. 10 free travel packs so you can travel with Athletic Greens with your first purchase. 10 free travel packs, athleticgreens.com. Use the promo code ATLAS. Tell them we sent you and let us know what you think. We love getting the feedback from people. I bump into people all the time and they tell me, oh, hey, I'm on the Athletic Greens. Thanks for recommending it. I uh, just won an Olympic gold medal, all thanks to Athletic Greens. I'm just kidding. No one has said that yet, but I'm sure it's coming. Congratulations again, Ken. I didn't even know that. I mean, you, man, you're busy. You got a busy schedule. I mean, uh, do you? <laughs> wow. I mean, if if you're not doing this, you're out on the road, uh, winning races, or you're preparing for the races. You know, running ten That's miles it. a day. Uh, it's. I gotta stay busy for my. It's as much for my mental health as it is for my physical health. When you know, like idle mind is the devil's workshop. When I'm not doing things, I make bad decisions that aren't good for me or my family. So I try to stay busy, and I'm lucky that my wife and kids understand that this is part of who I am, and they support what I do because I try to give them like the best life that I can give them when I'm not doing this stuff. But if I don't have my mental health. 
by getting this exercise in and this competition out of my system, it's just I'm not a, I'm not the best version of myself. Well, it's it's and, uh, great so. you can do it. You have the family to support you, and you're getting the attention now. You're getting the credit. You're getting um, yes. recognition. Recognition is important. Uh, you're getting that now, and it's I tell you, it's great. One last question about that particular race. So um, you got two hundred over two hundred. You got them from all around. Uh, what what was the time um, like? And and tell me because I know the time you you're around two thirty, which is amazing for a marathon. I I understand sometimes yeah. even less. But what would be the time for for a half a marathon? That is, yeah, and where does that fit? So, so, so I just yeah, want to understand. So my best my my best half marathon time I ran Nashville last year, and and for the people out there that are really interested in running, I've run a faster race every single year for the last 15 years as I've gotten older from 35 to 51 and um, last year in at the end of November I ran the Nashville half marathon in one hour and 10 minutes uh, 522 per mile pace I came in second overall there a professional 27 year old professional runner beat me by 30 seconds yes uh, and then I ran a 111 at the U.S. National Championships um, last weekend, last Saturday in Indianapolis. And then this Sunday, I ran that hot, hot, hot driveway to hell race, which is, uh, I mean, 3,000 feet is an yeah, insane no, amount of elevation gain. The Boston Marathon and New York Marathons, which are considered very difficult, have 800 total over 26 miles. The race yesterday had 3,000 3, feet over 13 point. This was a little bit longer than a half marathon. It was 13.7, but I did it in one hour and 46 minutes, so like 7.40 per mile, which is it doesn't sound super fast, but again, it's like straight up extreme. and down a hill. Yeah, it's extreme. Yeah, extreme. I mean, it's like good for the people out there that uh, if you need to, not that they need it simplified by me, but um, if you're on a treadmill and you and you put it up uh, elevation, and now you're you're, yeah. you're running on elevation of of ten. The steepest yeah. part was at twenty percent grade. So if you put your 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 um, treadmill on like one one and a half, crank it up to twenty um, percent if it can even go that high. And I'm not trying to be funny treadmills don't typically go that high that's how high the steepest point of this driveway was and uh the other thing i want to say is i had my um my 36 collection uh box raw 36 collection um uh, shorts on when I went down there warming up just with the basketball shorts that those guys made for you and everyone was like what's the 36 mean where'd you get those so for everyone listening check out boxraw.com go to the Teddy Atlas collection the 36 collection which signifies 36 minutes to make life fair which is one of the things Teddy was just talking about when anytime you get an underdog in there regardless of uh, not to steal Teddy's thunder but not, regardless of anything that's happened to you in your life when you get in the ring on that night, you got 36 minutes to make life fair and no one else can interfere with it and no one else can control your actions except you. So check out the boxraw.com Teddy Atlas collection. Let's jump in. Let's jump into the UFC. They never disappoint. I mean, the worst card the worst card the UFC ever put on is still an exciting night. Um, you know, typically only the pay-per-view cards um I mean, sorry, typically 
I've never seen a pay-per-view card that's disappointing in the UFC. You have some you have some lame duck fights here and there. It's unfortunate, but you know, you've also got a different sport there where one mistake and you're sleeping or choked out cold, choked unconscious and uh it happens and we saw one last week with us uh Rose and um Carlos Baza. But all action fight for two plus rounds in the main event, but unfortunately for Rocket, she suffered a freak knee injury. It looked like he either dislocated his knee, tore his ACL, but his knee just buckled underneath him. Official word is a TKO victory for Blahovich, but up to that, uh, up to the injury. Like I said, all action. How'd you like that one? You know, uh, for me, my take on it. First of all. I- uh, you got to give special admiration to all these guys, but to Blahovich, he's 39 years old. You know, he's on the doorstep of 40. For, he looked great physically. I mean, he, talk about athletic greens. He looks like he's dipping at that stuff. Um, he, he looked really good. Obviously, part of it I'm talking about because Rakic looked great too, but he's, you know, he's almost 10 years younger. Um, but for a guy almost 40, he looked really good. And, you know, he's a load. They, 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 it was a well-matched fight. Uh, that's another thing. I like to give credit to the matchmaker over there at UFC. It's so important to have a good matchmaker to put the right styles in. It was a well-matched fight. And I found it to be a grueling strategic fight. And I'll explain myself. To me, it was kind of like a war because they are at war, right? And it's kind of like a battle in a, you know, in a war where you're coming in and both sides know that they want to take the infrastructure out of the other side. So they're dropping bombs on tunnels, on bridges, all infrastructure stuff to, to make it hard for them to, for each side to travel. <laughs> I think that's a fair way to say it, to, where where you you cut off their supply chains, you you cut off their ability, you know, to move, and they were attacking savagely to the legs, both of them, and that's what they were doing. That's how I look. I look at everything like war. They yeah, they were dropping bombs, getting rid of the bridges, getting rid of the tunnels, getting rid of the roads where they would not be able, you know, to get to the supply lines. They would not be able to move freely. And they, that was the strategy. And like I said, it was a wicked strategy. It was a grueling strategy. And I'm watching that. And then I see, well, I, I see the different dimensions. I see the striking for the most part. And then I see Rakich gets Blahovich on the floor where he spends most of the round, he wins the round, he has control, position, and then towards the end, he gets in great position, which I really appreciated from my standpoint of my sport, where he he's sitting up on, on the floor on top of him and he's... He's throwing short little inside punches, Ken. Uh, real, really shortened them up, like little Joe Lewis punches, uh, rackets. He's throwing these little tight punches inside. That takes teaching. 
that takes, you know, technique. That takes learning. And I really appreciate it. I said, wow, this guy looks like a fighter on the inside throwing these little short shots uh, with the little bit of uh, room that he has, like in a, in a phone booth. And then they get back to the striking uh, for the next round. I, I felt that, and I tweeted this, I felt that Blahovich must have saw something on film on tape when he was preparing for rackets where some told him that a left hook, a very specific combination, a left hook to the body and a right hand up top could catch rackets. So he must have saw some proof of that in his reconnaissance uh, mission. You know, when you f- you fly the spy planes over the, the area, right, before you go and attack. So you see what's there, right? You see where the f- fuselades are. You see where the infantry is placed. You know, you see where they're, where they're obviously the silos for their weapons are kept uh, where you, because you want to destroy those areas. And he he must have seen something because all night long, Blahovich kept with that left hook to the body, right hand to the head. Never landed it the way he wanted to, but man, he stayed on it. And to my point of it being a savage, relentless, um, strategic, grueling battle, you know, on the ground, uh, on on a striking, where you know they were bombing out the infrastructures. To that point, maybe that had a bearing on the end, because suddenly it ended in a very unfortunate way, a way that we all always hope it doesn't end. But it's always a possibility in this tough sport they're in, beyond tough. I mean, beyond tough. But it's always possible. And with the legs, and because they use everything, they hit everything. And he steps back, Rakic. He takes his step back, and his right knee. It looked, it looked like it was. I mean, I'm not a doctor, and we'll have to get the reports on that. What by now, I'm sure it's been, you know, treated and diagnosed for what it is. But it looked, it looked like it. it it looked like the knee went out of place. It looks. It looked like a yeah, like a dislocated like a, knee or something. Yeah, it looked like a dislocation where you could see the knee. You could literally see the knee shift, and yeah. and then his leg collapsed. It was the right leg, if, if my memory's right. And then that's right. And then he collapsed. And boy, oh boy, two savages, but two gentlemen, two good human beings. I mean to show the class and the sportsmanship because right there he could have attacked, jumped on him, Blahovich, he didn't. He stopped. He, you know, before the referee got in there, he could have, again, he could have just went pounding away, not being sure how severe the leg was. Maybe the leg's going to be okay and then he doesn't take advantage of the opportunity, he loses the fight. So he goes to, and then he stops. He sees the guy's in that kind of distress. He can't properly, you know, defend himself. And he shows that class, that sportsmanship that most of these, well, most of boxers do too. And these UFC guys do. And it never ceases to amaze or impress me. Uh, Never. Uh, How special they are in those areas of their character. So 
it was very unfortunate. And just like that, the fight's over. You know, the, the, and again, my thought was, was it a, it's one of those freaky things. So you never know when it's going to happen. You never know exactly why. He steps back, boom, and it just collapses. The wrong step. He hits his heel the wrong way, his toe the wrong way, the foot the wrong, legs the wrong way, whatever. Boom, it, it collapses. But it made me also think, Ken, that all that attacking to the legs and all the pressure being put on the infrastructure, like I was describing before, like a, like a war, if that had something to do with it, if that played a role in the pressure uh, that was put on that leg. But at the end of the day, Rackage, hopefully he heals up as quick as possible and he gets back 100%. Um, I hope so. Uh, and it, it leaves for an interesting time right now in that division, Ken. You know, uh, what, like what's next for that division at the top? You know, is it a rematch with uh, Blahovich and Texera, uh, you know, who's a monster and who's 40 years old? So they're both up in that in that area of, you know, that club, that 40-year club. Um, you know, they could be the George Foreman's there for the UFC. Uh, you know, that uh, life's not over uh, after 40, <laughs> you know, after the 30s. Life's not over. Yeah, it's just beginning. You know, they could be part of that great George Foreman club uh, with bringing hope uh, to, to, to the people in those age groups uh, where sometimes they think that their best is gone. These guys are still at their best. So does it bring up a rematch where obviously Texera just kind of barnstormed, uh, blitzed, uh, Blahovich. I don't think it was the best Blahovich. I said that at the time. I said that at the time. There was something wrong. I'm not taking nothing away from Texera because he's a monster. He is. Uh, and he deserves every bit of the glory and, you know, uh, everything that he achieved that night uh, that the title brought him. Every bit of it. Every, and more. He deserves. He's been around fighting everybody. But it just something i don't know there was there was a dimness and that's the best way i could describe it there was almost like when you look into somebody's house and the lights are dim they're not bright it was like something in his eyes it was almost a dimness uh in blahovich's eyes and again uh Sarah don't know nothing about that he went in there he's a monster he did what he had to do he did what he's done in the past so I'm thinking about that division. What's in store? Anthony Smith, Lionheart, you know, he fits in there. Um, this is a guy that obviously he's been around, Anthony. He's fought everybody, and uh, he's still there. Not only still there, you know, uh, he's like I said, he's fought everyone. He's got plenty of miles on New York Domina, but he reminds me of a vintage wine like you have in your wine cellar, you know, where, <laughs> where, where Ken, he just gets better. Like, like he's, he, his last performance, Anthony Smith, it's like, wow, this, this guy is like revigorated. I mean, so I just, that, I think it's interesting at the top of that dimension, uh, well, Teddy, what happens. Here, here, here's what I was going to tell you. You just had one fight three, right? 
Uh, Bohovic is the number one contender. He fought Rakic number three. And guess who the uh, guess who? With that being said, if one just fought three, who do you think the champion's fighting? He's fighting number two, Yuri Yuri Prohaka, Yuri Prohaka on June 11th. And uh, you got Lionheart Anthony Smith waiting in the wings at number five. So all these top guys are in the mix. That's what you gotta love about the UFC. Yeah, I agree. And again, I always we always say, look, Dana has an advantage. He's he's the boss. He's he has the final word but he keeps the guys busy the top guys fight the top guys you're not going to see like jamal charlo like i said he's fighting a guy ranked outside of the top 10 i don't even know what that does besides keeping busy in the ufc there's no stay busy fights you you beat the number one contender guess what six months later three months later the new number one contender is waiting for you in the other locker room it doesn't stop and you know if you're in the ufc maybe your career is not as long but you have uh you're fighting a lot more often and uh in the prime of your career and there's just so many things to be excited about about with the ufc there's just it's always action um so yeah Hopefully, love to see Anthony. And for people who don't know, we love to see Anthony Smith get a shot. Go back and look. We interviewed um, Anthony Smith and Chell Sonnen, two for one, two of the best guys there in the UFC in terms of commentators for sure. And obviously, Anthony is a killer in the uh, in the octagon, and Chell was. But yeah, we had those guys on, and uh, look forward to seeing Anthony and all those guys in action. I was just as as I was listing all those names, I was like, you know something. Every single one of these guys seems to be a quality human. We know we know some of them, and they are excellent people. I know Glover Tuxera. We obviously know Anthony Smith. But these guys are genuinely nice guys, and uh, it's good to see good things happen to good people. 100%, Ken. 100%. Yeah, and the last thing I want to touch on, Teddy, before we um, sign off is uh, just follow up on that Oscar tweeting about, um, you know, Canelo waiting to come back to uh, if he's ready to come back. To your point, yeah, he, he's full of crap in that in that he would have he would do something different for Canelo. He, like you said, he'd put him in there with an axe murderer if he thought he could have a payday. But when he's with someone else or, 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 or he could affect, you know, who the, the judges are. He's like, I, he's like Bob. Barham. Uh, Bob Barham, you know, you gotta, <laughs> he's gotta give you some chuckles, don't he? Like, you know, he'll say the guy's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but he's with him, right? Oh, he's the great. I don't think I've ever seen anyone better in my 70 years. He's a, and then he leaves him. Uh, no, this guy's, you know, <laughs> This guy's not too if good. If you need an example, see, ta- see, uh, see Terrence Crawford. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's a free agent. All of a sudden, he's not that good. He's not that exciting. You need, you need a polygraph attached to these guys every time they talk. <laughs> you know, uh, God, uh, no, but to get to that, uh, we touched on it at the beginning with Oscar making that comment. Uh, I, again, I use different movie references. He gave me two to use. I have to use them. I'm sorry. Uh, one of them is the comedian. Uh, very, very successful now. Uh, Sebastian, what is it, Maniscalco? Uh, Maniscalco? Yeah, Sebastian Maniscalco. He's really funny. And he's, oh, got, he's, this, the best. he's got this skit where he says, and this, this would have fit right in when Oscar sent out that tweet, you know, mm-hmm. you want to come to the best promoter. You know, it's, he says, aren't you embarrassed? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you? It's like I mean, his catchphrase. Really, it's a, you, uh, yeah, because it's begging. It's begging. It, it yeah. is. Any way you want to chalk it up, you could chalk it up any way. You could 
twist it around. You could, you know, position it any. It's it's bacon, and it's like, oh, is you embarrassed? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I know Rob's <laughs> going to get that up. People get a couple of chuckles out of that. And then the other one is from the from the iconic <laughs> movie that that's become uh, you know one of those movies. Uh, what do they call them? It's not just almost a cult movie, but um, Scarface with Al Pacino, where oh yeah, remember that scene where uh, Frank who was the big uh, boss uh, at the time, and that Pacino worked under, tried to get him assassinated in the club earlier. But Tony, Tony Montana, realized what you know what happened, so he went to visit him. <laughs> you know, he went, went to pay him a little visit uh, late at night, and he came in his club, his, his arm was in a sling, uh, Pacino, uh, Montana, and uh, he came in there and, you know, he... he made him admit that he tried to get him killed and to kill him and he pulled the gun on him and then Frank the 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 drug dealer who was about to no longer be a drug dealer he was no longer <laughs> about to be anything or a club owner or a club owner <laughs> or, or a guy that took breaths anymore uh he he got on his knees and he started crying and begging and kissing his feet and crawling, you know, please, please. You know, Montana was like repulsed. <laughs> he like jumped, yeah. get out of here. This is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. You know, get, get out of here. You know, and he was crawling. That, come on, really. That that fits in. I hate to say it, but that fits in. We need like yeah. a we need like a Photoshop expert to Photoshop um, um, Oscar's face on uh, Frank's body in that scene. <laughs> really? Like, please, Canelo, please, That's, I'll do anything. Exactly. Like he's crawling and please, please, no, no, please, please, no. don't go with Eddie Hearn. Don't, don't I'm go better with, than him. Don't go with Eddie. Don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I I think I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I think it fit perfect. He gave me another one Oscar get somebody out there you know get him a rescue dog really you know really you're doing a favor for the for you you know I held back you heard me held back I was about to say you're doing yeah. a favor <laughs> for the dog I I, I I caught myself there I caught myself yeah. there Ken I'm not sure hey one other thing that we didn't have on the schedule, but I wanted to get your thoughts on. There's a fight this weekend. David Benavidez is fighting um, David Lemieux. Uh, yeah. I hope that they have medical staff on standby for this one because I don't think this ends well for Lemieux. We haven't prepped for this, and I know you like to get like 30 pages of notes for each one <laughs> we talk about. But off the top of your head, any thoughts on this Benavidez-Lemieux fight? Yeah, it should be one-sided, but it'll be action because Lemieux only knows one direction, forward. Uh, he's strong, he's a good puncher, but he's got a lot of miles on him. And he's been in there with everybody, you know, and he, he loses at the top, but, um, but he gives a battle. He gives a battle. Uh, he's a proud guy. Uh, and Benavides uh, is there to get hit at times. Yeah. I'm wondering if Lemieux has enough power. Well, he does have power. I mean, Lemieux, one thing he can do, he's tough. He comes forward. He's got power, but he's he's been used up a little bit. He's shop one, and um and he's one dimensional. And Benavides is tall. He's got that skeleton. He's got that reach, uh, that frame where you know he can fight inside, but he can fight outside. He can catch it before you get to him. You know, he can control that space. Uh, he can do what I talk about a lot of times. He can make you force you to come to him and go through a bad neighborhood to get to him and, and mug <laughs> you on the way as you're trying to get to him. I, I see it 
this is a little unusual, but I'm going to put up a prediction. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. All right, so what? I'm going to put up a prediction that at the end, there's going to be action, some some action, and then at the end, Benavides is going to finish him with an uppercut because that would be a punch that would make sense in this fight. Lemieux a little shorter. Uh, he, he, likes to, he likes to crouch a little bit. He likes to move his head, bend forward a little bit as he comes to you. I can see the uppercut being the perfect punch the end of night uh, for Benavides uh, to get it you know, to get a knockout win. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, that That's the way I see it. But uh, again, I can only see one guy, you know, winning this fight. And that one guy would be uh, the guy that's obviously got more going for him at this point in his career. And that you would think, maybe no, not just think, that his people, Benavides' people, matched him up perfectly, uh, you know, with a style that can make him look good. Yeah, well, that's it. That, that That's all we got in terms of um, this week. That, so we got Benavidez in a UFC fight next week. And um, so, yeah, maybe we'll try and work in an interview next week and see what else is going on. But uh quick personal note, shout out to my friend and super, super boxing fan, uh, Jelly Roller Country Music, singer, rapper, uh, playing at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee on December 9th. So if you're a fan of Jelly Roll, and he's a big fan of boxing, and the guy's just been on a one-way one way ride here to the top. He's got the number one song in rock and roll and country Super nice guy, one of my neighbors, one of my best pals in Nashville. Uh, go check out Jelly Roll December 9th at the Bridgestone Arena. He's a, such a good, good person, and I love to see him. Hey, you know, I, I, you're nice enough to have talked earlier about my foundation, and you and Rob were good enough, and, and you brought some people there to the to our dinner the last couple of years um, to help us do what we do, which is help people. Um, and I appreciate the hell out of you for doing that and for being those people, and that's part of the reason why uh, I'm, I do this with you, uh, because of the character there. We're always looking for things that we can auction off. How about giving it a little thought? This be a big one, though. This be a real big one. How about giving just a little thought to auctioning off your ever-growing Rolodex uh, at my dinner? Um but with some of those names that are in there, I mean, uh, I got uh, one for you. How about we get? Uh, how about we auction off uh, two top of the line best seats available to see Jelly Roll December 9th oh. at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville? We should make it available online, not just to the dinner, so that we can have people in Nashville that might not be That'd able be to nice. make the dinner, but can also come to the uh, come to the dinner. And uh, to my man, Jelly Beans, if you're listening, let's fire up the private jet and go up to New York together to Teddy's uh, benefit be dinner beautiful. and see if we can't get That'd some of the good. Jelly Roll fans. Ken, I know. Ken keeps his Rolodex and a lot of people that want their privacy keep their privacy. That's, that, <laughs> that works out perfect. Thank you. Thank you. That would be. And I know, I nice. know Jelly nice. Roll ain't going to be playing a concert on Thursday, some random Thursday in November. What is it? The Thursday uh, before so, Thanksgiving? Yeah, always the Thursday before Thanksgiving to remind people right. of, you know, how much they have to be thankful for and that there's people out there that unfortunately don't have much to be thankful for, but we can help them. 
So that would be great. That would be great. Yes. Jelly beans, jelly roll. If he roll, can do what, it, I'm a, jelly roll. Jelly, I'm sorry. If he can, Jason, his name is Jason DeFord, salt of the earth, one of the nicest sure guys. And if I asked this guy to come help me bury a body because I had to kill someone, he'd be the first one. I'd shut off yeah, now. Ken, be sure. right over. Ken, be right over. Okay. He's just a great That's guy. Sure. And if he can make it, I'm going to tell him the pressure's on. So, Jason, if you're listening... Put it in the schedule. He's touring like a lunatic, but he loves you. He loves the show, and and man, he is a boxing super fan. Friends with Caleb Plant and all the Nashville fighters, Michael Chandler, all of them. Actually, Michael Chandler's the guy that's due to be on the show. He's been in, obviously, coming off a huge win over Tony Tony Ferguson. Would love to um, talk to Michael on the show if he's available next week. Um, but with that, Teddy. Um, oh, and also, if you want to check out, learn some boxing fundamentals in the comfort of your own home. If going to a boxing gym intimidates you learn the basics at home with dynamic striking go check out dynamic strike and search for teddy atlas and you'll see a whole series of videos that teddy has produced for the guys at dynamic striking going over all the fundamentals the 11 different jabs hooks uppercuts you can learn it all from the comfort of your own home then when you get it all finalized head down to the boxing gym and put it into action thank you all right guys thanks for being with us please subscribe to the show Follow us on all the social media channels. Teddy's got always got an entertaining take on um, Twitter, that's for sure. And we appreciate the heck out of everyone for being with us this week. Everyone have a great week. 